0: crisis of confidence while our economy may be weakened and our confidence shaken it's time to talk money the people are looking for honest answers not easy answers and we cannot
1: rely
2: on quick fixes or easy answers
0: it's the financial guys radio program
2: i do not promise a quick way out of our nation's problems i wish i could tell you there was a quick fix for economic problems with local financial experts Glenn Wiggle and Mike Lomas, to take no unnecessary trips, we can't drive our SUVs, and we will make America
3: great again. God bless you and good night.
4: Now here's
5: Glenn Wiggle and Mike Lomas. Alrighty, welcome back, folks. Financial Guys Radio Network. Mike Spurazzi in studio at Stefan Mahailu today. Stefan, how you been?
6: Life is great. Big dog strategies, electing Republicans all over the country, and we just had a new baby.
5: I was just going to say, you welcome the new member of the family, right?
6: Yeah, Victoria Anna. So anyone listening, if you see my wife, can you please tell her the show ended at 4 (laughs) a.m.? Because we're going on a bender after this (laughs) one, and we're going to tell her we did like some radiothon, conservative radiothon, and we're staying out all night.
5: Yeah, I'd be here till 4 a.m. I love doing this. It's a lot of fun. I'm glad to have you on with us today. A lot to talk about, as usual, jam-packed show. We have some great guests coming up. Eli Bremer, Joel Giambra, and Ben Carlisle coming up in the second hour. Stefan, where do we start here? Let's start there because there's just too much going on. I don't even know where to start.
6: I think the entire world just swallowed like a crazy pill between Ukraine, New York State, What is going on in our country? Right about now, I think I would take some mean tweets in a heartbeat.
5: I've been saying that for 18 months now. I would would take some more mean tweets because this is just – it's getting out of hand at this point. Everything is going off the rails, whether, like you said, Ukraine, Russia situation, our southern border – COVID's back, right? We had uh, Obama and Clinton get COVID last week, and now we're talking about that again. Nothing is going right.
6: Well, and especially you mentioned Eli Bremer. He's a former Olympian. He's going to be on to talk about some of the just ridiculous issues when it comes to defining a man and a woman. I think our world has gotten so woke, so liberal, so left that a nominee to the Supreme Court cannot even answer truthfully, honestly, because they're so afraid to say, this is what a man is, this is what a woman is.
5: And to me, it's, it's not, um, they always talk about science left, right? You know, follow the science, follow the science. Well, the science says that there's men and there's women. That's it, right? There's a man and a woman. And then, you know, when she just completely, this uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, completely just walks away from that question, doesn't even try to give an answer, not even a, a fumbling around like Kamala, nothing, just, yeah, I don't know, I don't know.
6: People that afraid just to say, I'm a man, I'm a woman. Should we give our pronouns now? Yes. Should we give our introductory pronouns? You can call me what, he, him, him, or Mahaila. I've been called worse (laughs) on a number of different platforms, so I'll take it. But even, you know, talk about Leah Thomas too, the swimmer at Penn, uh, biological male, just destroying the competition in women's sports. Are, are, Are you surprised? I mean, hey, let me tell you that, you know, let me tell you some shocks in the world. The Pope is Catholic, and when men compete against women in college sports, they're going to win.
5: Right, and, and for that, you know, that was a situation where just a year ago, Leah Thomas was a mediocre swimmer on a male swimming team, just a year ago.
6: And it's crushing the competition now. Right,
5: and, and for people, you know, again, for women's rights, and this is the big thing, when we talk about women's rights, to me, if I have a daughter, you do, Stefan. That, that, to me, is as, as angering as it gets, right? My daughter's going to go try and compete in a, in a collegiate sport and, and for a national championship, nonetheless. And it's not just about the sports. It's about what you can get out of the sports, whether it's your education, whether it's endorsements down the road. That's going to go by the wayside because now we have men competing in women's sports taking those
6: opportunities. What happened? To women's rights. And the left is applauding it. Right. They think it's wonderful. Now, I have two daughters. Now, think of it this way. It's not just the fact that, do I want a, a grown man changing in the same locker room as my daughter's? Well, that's another side, yes. Absolutely, positively not. But think about how this is going to set back women's sports and women's rights and women's athletics. Because think about it. A lot of young women who go into sports, what's the main goal? A college scholarship. Yep. Now, how many young women are never going to swim again or never go in the pool again or never compete again when they know what's the point? Because some guy is going to identify or try to become a bi- biological woman and just destroy not only them in competition, but their scholarships as well.
5: And it's, as you know, it's hard enough to get a scholarship as it is doing everything the normal way it's hard enough to get a scholarship right and then you add that on top of it, uh, it it's sad and then again you, you have you know Supreme Court justice nominees not even being able to answer a question on defining what a a, a woman or a female is it, it's it's sad stuff and then you have you know, our friend Cory Booker and his charade that he had on, uh, you know, his, his tearful whatever that was, you know, telling her, you know, we we don't know how you got here, but you got here. No, we know how you got here. Joe Biden exa- said exactly what he did. He did, He told us eight months ago what he was going to do, right?
6: I'm going to nominate yeah. an African-American woman. And lo and behold, he nominated right. an African-American
5: woman. Yeah. And, and, and you know what the sad part is? We've, we've said this a lot on this radio show. The sad part is you just diminished... Every good quality, every good thing she's done by saying that up front, and then now you do that, it, it diminishes what what's happening here, and that's what's sad for her.
6: But even just in in New York, too, I mean, it's it's not just the craziness in Washington. Right. You look at the People's Republic of New York, and elections have consequences. When people voted out Donald Trump and they voted for Joe Biden, who, God bless his soul, I don't think he even knows what his name is, and I wouldn't want him organizing a two-car funeral. That being said, elections have consequences. You know, the Democrats control the Senate uh, and basically Washington, so they get to nominate someone who cannot define and is afraid to say what's a woman. Here in New York— you know, now Kathy Hochul is governor. We have uh, New York City socialists controlling uh, our state. And what do we have? I mean, they're fighting for bail reform in yeah. New York State, yeah. about keeping criminals behind bars. But that's what happens when you elect uh, based on emotion and the fact that you don't like a mean tweet.
5: And I feel like if you, if what's funny about some of this stuff, if you went and polled a bunch of seven-year-olds and you said, here are seven bad people and here's what they've done, do you think they should be able to walk on the same streets as you? The seven-year-olds would be like, "No, that's scary. That's bad. <laughs> Stranger right? danger." Yeah, right. Like we we as adults can't get this figured out, and I don't understand. It, it seems very simple, right? If you're, and we'll talk later with our guests on this, but if you, um, I don't know, you know, beat somebody up with a with a, a deadly weapon. That to me seems like, okay, that person should stay in jail. They should not be out. As far as possible. If you threaten somebody or shoot somebody with a gun,
6: that person should be locked up, right? That doesn't, there's no leeway there. And that's why elections are so important and elections have consequences. And that's why I'm looking forward to 2022. Uh, And that is the the great thing about working, again, with, I am with Big Dog Strategies, a Republican uh, strategist, that we're trying to elect Republicans all over the country because with the midterms and local elections, this country has a choice. Yep. We are literally on the precipice of whether or not we're going to go down this road of just pure insanity and woke liberal happiness. Or are we going to get this country going again? Because we're, we're approaching $6 a gallon for gas. Yep. You got to get a second mortgage. You get gasoline now. I showed you the
5: video this morning of the uh, the new uh, TikTok thing or whatever it is when when the uh, the girl says "Take me somewhere expensive" and, and her boyfriend takes her to a gas station. It's <laughs> it, it's it's amazing, you know. And, and the crazy thing is, before we get to our first gas, I think the crazy thing is, is, you would think this would be so simple in the minds of so many Americans, but still people continue to vote for these folks, and they just I don't know how you don't see it. Gas prices, inflation. Um, You know, foreign policy issues, right? Every our border, everything that would should be important to people that they should care about. It's like they don't see it. Some of these people on the left.
6: I, I I just I don't know how to get through to them. And what's sad is, a lot of us still living in New York, we feel as though we're prisoners here. Right? How many people say I would be gone in a nanosecond, but my family's here. Right? My job's here. How sad is that that you feel trapped that you have to be here? And look. My, my wife, Ashley, and I, we're in the same boat, too. Yep. We have a huge family, big Ukrainian family. My in-laws uh, are in Cheek to Vegas. Uh, our next-door neighbors uh, are like our unofficial grandparents for our yep. kids. We don't want to leave them. Yep. But if it weren't for... Uh, our families we would be gone in a heartbeat and in a place like Florida your income goes up 10% yep. just by moving there and right. not paying New York taxes right
5: it, it, it's it's absolutely insane and hopefully people wake up I just don't know that they will uh, especially in our great state here um let's go to the phone lines let's go to Charmaine Kay's from our office our 401k department Charmaine how you doing all
7: right how about you guys
5: I am great, thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the Secure Choice Savings Plan. So I know you've mentioned this a few times on the radio, but is this, is this plan that, that we hear about, is this a mandatory plan in our state?
7: It is. And um, unless you meet the qualifications of not having to join it, it is mandatory that you do. And those qualifications are if you have 10 or more employees in, in a New York State company, um, and you do not offer a retirement plan, nor have you offered one in the last two years, you must join this plan. So, and when they first signed this into law, New York City has their own deal. So it's the rest of New York State that Kathy Hochul has signed into law uh, for this. A secure choice plan and um, it was signed into law in October here we are in March and there isn't any implementation date yet set so having said that nobody has any idea when this thing is actually going to be implemented
5: Charmaine uh, how does this work obviously you know on my end with insurances you know companies have to pay a lot of money for insurance they have to pay you know payroll tax they have to pay their employees of course what do companies do if they just don't have the money to do something like this
7: well there are options that a company has that literally doesn't have to cost them anything other than setting up through their payroll deductions for employees in addition to that Through the state plan, eventually, and and God only knows when that is, there's going to be assessed fees for the setup and ongoing administration of this plan. Your guess is as good as mine as to how much these fees are going to end up being. They've been given out of the New York State budget $4 million to implement this plan and are anticipating that to be paid back within a few years is the language. Well, without New York City, you're talking about a shrunken uh, population, it's going to pay that back in a couple of years. So I think that there should be some concern there when a company can actually choose what type of plan to offer to, to their employees at little to no cost, or, they can say, I'm really going to offer a a benefit to my employees and set up a bona fide plan. A lot of people are under the misconception that doing that is a great cost to them, when in fact it is
5: not. Charmaine, let me ask one last question, too. So with this type of stuff, I mean, I I know New York is generally slow at doing a lot of things. Is there... (laughs) Is there, I mean, if someone like you called the state, do they give you guys any information? Or, or is it just like, oh, well, this is what's going on and figure it out on your own? Because I know in my world that happens sometimes. You call them up and they're like, well, we can't answer any questions for you. We're not able to help you on that. And you're kind of stuck as the employer hoping you're getting it right.
7: Exactly. Well, first of all, to my surprise and continued surprise, there's nothing out there on this unless you go online and Google what it's all about there I don't believe there's a phone number that you can call because I don't think that they have their board put together in its entirety to run this thing so I'm going to say what I anticipate is all of a sudden they're going to say okay this thing is up and running now an employer has nine months to comply with this or they're faced with fines
5: and, and for most business owners, obviously, that's a problem because who knows what the fines are, too, right? So, um, folks, if you need Charmaine throughout the week, give us a call at her office, 833-FIN-GUYS. She can help you answer some of these questions with what she knows and what she can find out. Obviously, as she said, there's not much out there right now, so it's, it's a little bit difficult on everybody's end. But if you need it throughout the week, please give us a call. Charmaine, thanks for coming on. Thanks for
7: having me.
5: We are going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to come back here with Eli Bremer, Senate candidate in Colorado and a former Olympian to talk through some uh, Supreme Court justices and some Leah Thomas, a national champion, the uh, women's national champion, I should say. I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, so we will be right back on the Financial Guys Radio Network.
2: Alpha Or any of the previous variants either, because we're dealing with something that's
8: airborne.
5: Welcome back, folks. Uh, always an open mic session here, Financial Guys Radio Show, 1-844-434-4TFG. That's one 434 We're going to line up a guest here real quick, Stefan. Um, you, you had the opportunity of getting this guy on for us. He, he's a decorated athlete. That's the start. Uh, you told me a 2008 pentathlon Olympian. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds very difficult.
6: (laughs) Yeah, actually, uh, Eli Bremer caught our eyes on the live line now. Uh, National news, uh, not just uh, as a candidate for the United States Senate in Colorado, but made national news about his position when it comes to Leah Thomas uh, and our most recent Supreme Court nominee. Eli, thank you for joining us. Greatly appreciate it. Well, yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. So first and foremost, what was your initial reaction? You, You are... Uh, a former Olympian, and first and foremost, and thank you also for your service. I know um, you're a member of the United States Air Force. Thank you for serving our country, uh, not only in the military, but in the Olympics. But what was your first reaction when you heard the Supreme Court nominee from Joe Biden not have the courage or the mental capacity to say, what is a woman?
3: Well, I, I was just completely shocked
0: because... This
3: is absolutely fundamental to the law and being able to protect women's rights. And women's rights have been under assault in America for the last couple of years, from the, surprisingly, from the woke left. Uh, the left used to be the the party of, of women's rights, and now now they've turned on women in the names of transgender rights. So I was just utterly shocked, and the And the only thing I found more shocking was that someone calling out a, a Supreme Court nominee, and saying, if you don't understand the difference between a man and a woman, you probably shouldn't be on the Supreme Court, Uh, that that got so much attention. Because, I mean, you think in America this would be kind of common sense. So it's a little shocking to me, again, that this is where America is.
5: The one thing I'll say, Eli, is you know you said the word shocked. It's almost not shocking anymore, right? Like it's 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 almost like commonplace now, right? These 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 comments that come out and these things that people like you know uh, Judge Jackson said there were uh, you know they just don't answer questions or they just give the most outrageous answer, and that's that's just typical now. It's it's amazing how far we've gone and how sad it is to know that. I mean, we we joke we we've interviewed the uh, Babylon Bee owner before, and he, he told us like it's amazing stories that we write. As satire, a joke, they come true like 90% of the time. It's amazing.
3: Yeah, it, it, it is. I read to Babylon B2, and sometimes you wonder if it's actually just ripped from the headlines. Um, <laughs>
2: but we
3: need to have a bit of a wake up call here because truth matters, reality matters, biology matters, and guess what? You don't need to be a biologist to know the difference between male and female. Um, I mean, this is a fairly straightforward proposition. So, I think what we're seeing, though, is that we're seeing the demise of the woke left because it actually doesn't make sense. There's no truth in their, in their belief system. There's no truth in their foundation. And, and if you can't even recognize something as basic as biology, then how are you going to form national policy? How are you going to adjudicate? This is a big issue that, that's going to come, I think, before the Supreme Court is Title IX. So Title IX is the federal protection for females under federal law. And if you don't understand what a female is, how are you going to adjudicate that law fairly?
6: But here's the crazy thing, Eli. Now, obviously, a lot of people on the left, you know, these these woke liberal extremists were attacking Republicans for asking their questions. But right about now, it seems as though you are the only person not just in Colorado or New York, but across the country that either has the brain smarts or combination of both to say, wait a minute this lady's on the Supreme court and she can't tell us whether or not a woman is a woman. And this is bad for women's rights. Are you surprised at the fact that you are now getting national attention because you're the only person talking about this?
3: Well, a little bit. I think that the cancel culture on the left has caused a lot of people to be scared, whether they're Republicans or independents or even Democrats. I think there are more and more people uh, seeking out. This is sort of like the emperor has no clothes. Like, this is something that's so core. Everybody, almost everybody in America knows the difference. And so this is not a hard one. This is one that you, you start learning at a young age. You start understanding it at a young age, uh, you know, that you know, are you a man or are you a woman? It's a, it's a, from a biological standpoint, it's a very easy uh, determination. Uh, what's fascinating to me, though, again, like you said, is that even on the right, there aren't that many people standing up and saying okay we don't have to be angry we don't have to hate people who have gender dysphoria or anything like that but we do have to admit there is a biological difference between men and women and that the biological difference is what should be recognized under federal law not a psychological difference and what we're seeing across the country is that women uh, who were traditionally democrats are now becoming Independents or republicans based on this issue because they're saying this is this is just ridiculous, and uh, and I expect that to
6: keep going on.
5: Eli, do you mind holding a, on the break with us and coming back on the next segment?
6: Yeah, I want to pick this guy's brain about Leah Thomas. Yes, Absolutely. yes, we have I to get wanna, the... I want to hear him <laughs> on Leah Thomas. <laughs>
5: and Rachel Devine while we're on on that topic. Um, folks, if you want to call in, 844-434-4TFG. Always an open mic session. Mike Sprouse, Stefan Mahalu. we will be right back. CVS and Nordstrom, a Home Depot, until the shelves are clean. Do you think that's because of the pandemic? Mm-hmm.
2: I think a root cause in a lot of communities is, is the pandemic, yes. All righty, welcome You can't back. make this up.
5: She, she, uh, <laughs> she is a piece of work. Um, I, I'm so oh. sick of that term, too, the root causes, right? Everything's got the root causes, yet they never address the actual root cause in anything that they talk about, ever.
6: Oh, she's a master of the English language, boy, I'll tell you that.
5: It's uh, it's unbelievable. Folks, if you're just tuning in, Stefan Mihailu, Mike Sparazza here in studio today. Mike and Glenn, well-deserved time off. Uh, Always an open mic session, 844-434-4TFG. And if you need us throughout the week, 833-FIN-GUYS. We're going to go back to the phone here, bring back on Eli Bremer, Senate candidate in in, uh,
6: Colorado. Excuse me. I know you wanted to take the next question here, Stefan, so I'm going to toss it to you. Oh, I am like chomping at the bit for this one. Uh, Eli, you're a former Olympian. You've competed at pretty much every level when it comes to amateur athletics. And you're also taking a national lead on the issue of Leah Thomas, who's the trans pen swimmer who is just destroying the female competition. What is your take as a former Olympian, a former athlete, on the fact that a biological man is basically winning multiple races against biological women?
3: Uh, This should be one of the biggest no-brainers in society, and I think it's actually good that it's going on. Because it shows how stupid this whole thing is. Of course, biological males have an advantage in sports. It, it, is, it is so painfully obvious. And you don't have to be an Olympian to see it. You can just watch the, the swim race. And I'll, I will tell you, uh, I actually used to swim the 500 freestyle in college. That was the race that Leah won the, the women's NCAA title in. And I, I was at an event this morning, and someone asked and said, did Leah sandbag that, that, that discipline? I said, Absolutely absolutely i think we could have gone at least four or five seconds faster and uh, most of the elite athletes i know who've watched it have said that it is it is so unfair to biological women but it is exposing how ludicrous the situation is that men and women are different that doesn't mean that men are superior to women it just means that they're biologically different and it's appropriate for us to recognize that in society it's appropriate for us to honor and recognize that women are equally important and yet need a slightly different protection under the law for things like sports, for things like uh, crimes, for things like medical treatment, because women are in fact different from men.
6: But when it comes to even, let's just take the whole locker room uh, debate out of the equation, because again, as the father of two daughters, I do not want a biological man in the same vicinity changing his clothes in front of my daughters. But what happens now then When it comes to young women competing in amateur athletics, whose goal is to receive a college scholarship, is this not going to basically destroy, ironically, women's sports because you have biological men competing against women?
3: Well, Stefan, that's exactly what will happen. In fact, I I have an article that was in Fox News uh, last week. And it was in an uh, editorial. If you Google my name, Eli Bremer in Fox News, you can read about this. Because I say that if we do not put a stop to this, what will happen is it's actually going to destroy the entire girls' and women's sports ecosystem. We don't really have to guess about this. Prior to Title IX, there really was not much of a girls' sports ecosystem. Because parents were making financial decisions and time decisions based on how much they'd invest in their daughters. Uh, on the on the return, on what the upside was. So if there weren't college opportunities or professional opportunities, uh, then parents said, okay, we'll get you involved in other things where you don't have this sort of artificial cap. The same is gonna be true now if this is not held back, if biological males can take women scholarships, eventually parents of, of girls are going to, on a one-on-one basis, make a decision and say, you know what, we're gonna get involved in different activities, and the whole sports ecosystem falls apart. So it doesn't just impact the one or two people that lose the scholarship at each school. It impacts literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of young girls in America who will lose the opportunity of the girls' sports system that's been built up under Title IX.
5: And, Eli, I'm just going to go off of sports for one second because I think it's this whole topic here. I mean, you have Leah Thomas, a a male-born individual, now a female, wins a, a women's national championship, right? You have Rachel Levine, who got nominated as the woman of the year by USA Today? Right? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Like, it, again, it's a Babylon B article. I'm going to keep going back to that. It's constant Babylon B article after Babylon B article. But. When, when, are, when are people on the left going to just truly wake up, though, right? Like you said, for sports, you're taking you know, opportunities from women. For you know, a, an actual woman of the year, you're taking an opportunity from them from getting that award because you're giving it to somebody because you've got to you know, keep up with the woke police, right? When does this end? How does it get fixed?
3: Well, it, yeah, isn't it ironic that a man won the woman of the year? I mean, it's just crazy. Um, I, I think it gets fixed when the Democrats get punished at the ballot box. I honestly do. Because uh, that's the only thing that they will answer to, that they will listen to, is when women who have historically been a a core constituency of the Democrats start voting at the ballot box and saying, you have to identify me as an important and unique gender. When that happens, it'll take maybe two years, maybe four years, but it will happen. And the Democrats, I think, are going to wake up and say, okay, we cannot afford to alienate not just the half the population that are women, but the other half the population that were brought into this world because a woman gave birth to them, and they're married to a woman or they have a daughter who's a woman. I mean, this is this is so universal uh, that that everybody in America is connected intimately with a woman in some way, shape, or form. And I think we all intuitively know we have to protect women and we have to honor women, and that's. And once the Democrats get punished at the ballot box, trust me, it'll change.
5: That is so well said. That that part there about everybody is is it's somewhat connected to a woman to get to this world. That that is the best way to say it and the the easiest way to say it, I'm gonna use that going forward. That that's amazing.
6: I got four kids, I'm striving for five, me more so than others nowadays. But but how crazy is it, Eli, that we're even having this discussion, that we're even talking about it and that it's a topic of, you know, the the woke left and they are moving so extreme on their ideology, that because they don't want to hurt a trans swimmer's feelings, they're going to ironically and sadly destroy women's sports.
5: But what about the women's feelings? What about those girls' feelings on that swim team? Right? Like, they don't care about... Well, they and, don't. Go
3: ahead. And I, I did an analysis on this, and it is stunning. It's not even just, as I said, the onesie twosie; it, It's millions. Um, the, the growth rate of, of individuals identifying as transgender is so high that by, by my math, within about three to five years, this will be in every single high school. So people say, oh, it's just a one-off thing. Well, tell you. Last summer, I did an interview with NPR, and I said, this is coming. And they said, you are crazy to think that a male athlete would try to compete as an elite female athlete. Two months later, everybody in America knew about Leah Thomas. I'll tell you the next thing that is going to happen is this is going to hit every high school and every college because the woke left has been pushing transgender ideology and so you're having a lot of young people who are now uh who are now suffering from gender dysphoria as well and identifying for whatever reason as a, as a gender opposite than their biology. And so this is going to be in every cross country wrestling team, swim team, volleyball team, in in america and and if you don't see this coming it's going to come so fast that i predict by the 2024 election this will be one of the biggest wildfire issues there is because parents of daughters are going to say hey wait a second my daughter no longer has any uh sports opportunities there is a biological male trying to address in front of her in a female's locker room and again just look at the math. it's there it will it, this will happen
6: but how soft is this generation? And I know, Eli, you did serve in the military, in the Air Force. And we think about the greatest generation. These men were, they were boys, 17 years old, and they were picking up rifles, they're shipping overseas, and they are giving their lives, defending freedom. And thank God they did that at the, at the ripe old age of 17, greatest generation in World War II. And now we are so soft that we don't want to offend someone who identifies as a he, she, her, it, whatever you call themselves, and that biological men are now dominating women's sports, that men are winning Women of the Year awards. I mean, just, again, I I have to go back to that point of how insane is this country becoming? Where 70 years ago, again, however many years ago with World War II, boys were fighting in wars to defend freedom, and now we're having this discussion.
3: So, Stefan,
6: what happens over time is fantasies
3: get crushed on the rocks of reality. and we're we're already starting to see that. We've had this uh, we've had our country focused by the left on uh, on on climate issues, and for sure environmental policy is very important. But our environmental policies are completely upside down because they create more greenhouse gases than they reduce. And and then the reality of it is, when Russia invades the Ukraine and gas prices go through the roof, that that is a real situation, and the radical woke left was completely unprepared for it, and they can't even come to terms with the fact that their environmental policy doesn't make sense. It's causing us to get five dollar a gallon gasoline, and eventually, though, in America, reality always wins out. I like to remind that to people that fantasy always subsides and reality wins out. And the reality is there are two biological sexes. We see that in horses and sheep and deer and birds. Like, this is a state of, of nature. And over time, you can have a fantasy that that is not true. But the fantasy will eventually give way to the reality that you can only keep the fantasy up for so long. And so I think the fantasy breaks apart here within probably one or two years.
5: And I'll say this too, Eli. I mean, I'm not a big Kardashians fan or the Jenner fan, but, but, you know, Caitlyn Jenner has come out and said numerous times, like, this is bananas. We cannot have males competing in female sports. And Caitlyn Jenner's a transgender individual, right? So like when people like Caitlyn Jenner are now even saying, this is crazy, we can't be doing this. That's got to count for something, right?
3: Well, it is, and, and the issue is so much deeper than, uh, than what the, the woke left is trying to say. I, I spent a couple of years working a project in sports genetics and learned an awful lot about how DNA works, and uh, it, it's very interesting. This, your, your biological sex is encoded in your DNA, and it tells your entire body how to function, it tells your heart what size to grow, it tells your lungs, it tells... It tells you how to how to utilize and synthesize uh, many hormones, not just uh, testosterone and estrogen. And so, this is actually such a deep biological issue that you know, no matter no matter how hard you try, your biology will override your psychology. And you know, like you said, even Caitlyn Jenner has come out and said biology matters. And you know, look, it's the United States of America. If you want to. You know, run around and, and believe you're a, a, a man, if you're a biological woman, I, I really don't care. If you want to run around and bark like a dog and say you're a dog, I don't care. It, it really, it's America, you can say or do anything you want. However, when your fantasy, when your personal reality gets in the way of somebody else's rights, as a society, we need to step up and protect those rights, particularly when it's the rights of women and females who for the, virtually the entire history of civilization have been subjugated to biological males. And now for the first time, they've gotten to equality and we're going right backwards into males subjugating females. It's, it's really stunning.
6: Well, Eli, on, on that lovely note, we're gonna wrap up our, uh, our segment on this portion of the broadcast. But I will say this. I'm gonna loop again your previous comment. I think it was basically uh, fantasy is going to be destroyed on the rocks of reality. That's going to be my new ringtone. I'm just throwing it out there because that that is the line of the month and and every single person now is going to hear that when I'm shopping at Aldi's. That's going to be my new ringtone.
3: <laughs> well, glad I could glad I could help you out there, Stefan.
5: <laughs> Eli, thanks for joining us. Good luck in your race and uh, hope to hear from you soon.
3: All right, thank you both. Take care. Bye.
5: So we're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back with John Thur, Charter Financial Analyst. Charter, excuse me, Financial Analyst. And then we are going to get to the phone calls. We have about two or three callers. Jerry, John from Rochester on hold. We will get to you after the break. Folks, if you need us throughout the week, 833-FIN-GUYS. Give us a call, 844-434-4TFG. We'll be right back.
9: How is it a write-off? They just write it off.
3: (laughs) Write it off what? Jerry, all these big companies, they write off everything.
1: You don't even know what a write-off is, <laughs> do you? No, I don't. <laughs> but they do, and they're the ones writing it off.
2: And you're gonna see when you're there. and you've been there, you're gonna see. You're gonna see women, young people Welcome
5: back, Financial Guys Radio Show. Uh, I just tried to play a clip there. I'm not great with the technology in this room. Uh, it was our, our uh, beloved president telling the 82nd Airborne that they are going to be heading to Ukraine. I don't know if he meant to say that or if he was just having a senior moment. I'm not really sure, but he, he there's a video out there right now of him telling the 82nd Airborne, you'll
6: see it when you're in the Ukraine. How scary is that? This guy is the president of the United States, and he doesn't even know his own name, what day of the week it is. And he's telling American soldiers overseas, oh, by the way, you're going to be in Ukraine soon, which as a Ukrainian-American, hey, I'd love to see that. God bless America. But this is what happens when people vote with emotion. They don't like Donald Trump. They don't like his tweets. And then here we have Joe Biden as president of the United States.
5: And before we get to John Durham, let's talk about that for a second. Because you you have Joe Biden and his whole administration, by the way. It's not just Joe Biden. He, He at least has an excuse that he's, you know potentially has dementia and he's, he's you know getting up there but you know Kamala Harris doesn't do anybody any favors his his cabinet his his, his advisors seem to not be doing him any favors I mean I, this whole Ukraine Russia situation is truly showing they don't have a plan of action anywhere potentially will never have a plan of action everything they do it's like they just heard about something yesterday and they're scrambling in damage control
6: if Donald Trump was the president of the United States Putin never invades Ukraine. Never. Because he knows what we just heard from Joe Biden is exactly what the response is going to be. Uh, Our vice president of the United States, God bless her soul, she can't string two sentences together. And she's literally a heartbeat away from the presidency. So this is what happens when it comes to, to weakness of the United States. And it's not just military weakness, but look at even energy dependence The fact that we are dependent on overseas oil and basically all these bad actors that hate the United States, they despise our country. And yet, whether it's the Keystone Pipeline here or Line 5 in Michigan, when it comes to basically drilling our own oil, the fact that we're dependent on all of these bad actors is the reason why America looks weak around the world. And the fact that we're going to be paying six bucks a gallon for gas and we're going to have to get a second mortgage just to fill the tank.
5: Well, oh, and I used to say this about Joe Biden, right? It was funny at first, and then it got not so funny anymore because, you know, especially when you see things going on around the world, like Ukraine, which is close to your heart there, right? you 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 see these things and you're like, this just isn't funny anymore, that he's old and senile, right? It's not funny. Um, Kamala Harris is it's it's now like you know her word salad that she makes all day long was funny at one point you're like oh my gosh this woman's our vice president but now it's getting to the point where it's just not funny anymore it, it's it's insane to think that that woman can't hold a conversation or you know get up to a microphone and talk in front of world leaders I, I wonder what other world leaders think when they hear her in the room I really do wonder
6: Oh they're they're not only laughing but they're looking at American weakness. Yeah. And that's the problem is when when it comes to our our defense, our military, they're looking at the commander in chief and then the second in command. You know, look at President Obama with Syria. Okay, we've yeah. got this red line. If yeah. they attack their own people with chemical weapons, well one year and one day later what did Assad do? He bombed his own people with chemical weapons, and killed 1,400 people in Damascus. You know, Joe Biden says, well, wait a minute. Well, it all depends if there's a minor incursion with Putin, what our reaction is going to be. And what does Putin do? He invades Ukraine. So, you're, Mike, you are 100% correct. At first, you're, you're kind of like laughing at the crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. Like, okay, <laughs> he's going to say something really stupid and racist, but you know what? He's the crazy uncle. But here, the crazy uncle is running the country, yep. the leader of the free and Western world.
5: It's very scary stuff. Let, let's go to John Thur, one of our chartered financial analysts with Independent Solutions. Uh, John, how are you this afternoon?
1: Doing well, Mike.
5: Good, good. So I, I have one question to start us off here. Um, with markets selling off in, in quarter one, what do you think the main causes for that were?
4: Well, there's about three that I can identify that are most important. And I think the first one would be The changing interest rate environment. We've been, you know, fed the sugar for quite a long time of zero interest rates. And on top of that, we just had COVID induced what 10 plus trillion dollars into the economy, um, directly into the hands of most of it directly into the hands of people. Um, some of it through quantitative easing and the buying of bonds to keep rates down. So we're slowly coming off of that now. So that's a big sea change. You are now in a rising interest rate environment. And you've got to take some of the premium out of the market because of that. Now, we don't know how high rates are going to go, but we do know rates are going up. So there was a knee-jerk reaction of a pretty good sell-off, 10-plus percent or so, uh, NASDAQ a little higher, over 13%. So we're adjusting to that. The second is the whole inflation which is underpinned by the rising oil prices. And that's a problem that we somewhat contributed to in a big way. So what I will say is we now have to digest all this. How high will oil prices go? How fast will we be able to get out from under rising oil prices, which I don't think it's going to be within two years because these oil cycles last. We saw the down cycle last for seven years. And these oil companies took on a tremendous amount of debt to survive that and now they have to pay back that debt so they're in no hurry to get oil prices back down they're using their cash flow to get their balance sheets back in order um as they always have done in rising and then lowering interest their oil price environments they have to adjust so we're going through this upward movement in oil which should stay with us and that's the underpinning for a lot of the inflation you're seeing along with all the covid money so those are the biggest things that are creating uncertainty And we don't know when they're going to end or at what levels they're going to end. So I think we're going to see more of selling into the rallies now instead of buying the dips like we used to. We're going to sell the rallies. And then we're going to keep ratcheting down a little bit, testing lows. And we're going to go sideways for probably most of this year and maybe a little bit into next year, depending how quickly things mitigate and at what level.
6: I was going to say, John, this is stuff on Mahailu. I think a lot of people listening are frustrated because – their pay is the same, but when they're going to the supermarket, they're paying a hell of a lot more for their groceries. When they pay their gas bill, they're paying a hell of a lot more for that. Uh, pretty much everything that everyone is paying for is going up and their pay is staying the same. And a lot of people have the question of, okay, when is this suffering going to end? So what's your best guess on how long this is gonna go on?
4: Okay, couple things. That's a good question, Stefan. We're gonna, we're gonna get into that. What you're seeing now is spending of money people have accumulated over the last year and a half, having gotten all this money together or not being able to go out and spend it, because they can't go on cruises. They haven't been traveling. um, They've pretty much been homebound. So they're starting to spend that money. So it's not just income. It's the savings that's accumulated over the last couple of years. Second, I'm starting to hear and read that not just at the lower end have wages been going up. We just went through... A period right now where I saw Google, I believe it was, raise their base pay for their management from one sixty to like three forty or three fifty, hundreds of thousand dollars. So you're starting to see it now. uh, A strike against Canadian Pacific Rail settled finally after they closed the, the the rail down to say, hey, we're you're not negotiating good faith, we're shutting it down. Well, two days later, they had a deal. So you're starting to see unions, you're starting to see higher-end management demand more money. And if that's the case, these, this group of people is going to have money in their pocket to spend, okay? There's going to be a group that won't. And what they're going to do, Stefan, and they already have started, is they're putting the gas on their credit cards. So after a matter of six, eight months, when they start to see the credit card bills going up, and they're going to say, whoa, you know, we, we don't have the money for this. We have to stop going out for dinner three nights a week. We have to not go on that vacation that we wanted to go on. We are stopping to buy clothes and shoes for a while here. We got to pay down this debt. So we have to go through these steps first. And what the Federal Reserve's job is, because maybe you, myself, a few others know, hey, prices are rising. I'm going to wait. You know, this is ridiculous to keep chasing and keep buying and keep, you know, uh, uh, doing these projects and whatnot. They're too expensive. There's a lot of people don't think of it that way. They just go spend the money, even if they don't have it, because they want it now. What the Fed's going to do is make it even more expensive. They're going to somewhat curtail demand, which is not always a great strategy, but in this circumstance, they have to. Okay, We have a good enough growth rate economically that if we were to pull it back a couple percentage points, we're still going to have a really good growth rate. So we're in a good position this is the time to raise rates okay it's just a question of will they overshoot or will they undershoot and not crimp the inflation and the demand enough and that's what we have to watch it's a very difficult situation because they have let interest rates be way below where they should be if the market were to set those rates to so the free capital market which has not been the free capital market for about 12 years um, now you're trying to go back to the free capital market, somewhat, and it's going to be a difficult exchange. So the premium has to come out of some of these stocks, or all of the stocks, really. They're all overpriced. Because when you lower rates as low as, low as we did, people say, oh, there hasn't been any inflation. It's only 2%. Yes, there has. It's been in all hard assets.
2: Homes, cars,
4: trucks, boats, um, anything, hard assets, stocks, bonds, all those have huge premiums in them now. Because of zero interest rates, so now we have to get that premium down, and that's what we're going through right now.
5: John, we're coming up on a hard, break, a hard break. Excuse me. Thanks so much for joining us. Great info as always from you, folks. If you need John throughout the week or any of our charter financialists, financial analysts, eight three three FIN guys. John, have a great Saturday. Thanks, John.
4: Thanks. Same to you guys.
5: All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick break, and we're coming back with Joel Giambra, Republican State Senate candidate. And Ben Carlisle, a Democrat state senate candidate, coming up next here on the Financial Guys Radio Network.
2: It's time to talk money.
6: How dare you! I wanted to panic. I wanted to feel the fear I feel every day.
0: It's the Financial Guys Radio Program with local financial experts Glenn Wiggle and Mike Lomas.
9: We need to eat the babies who have stolen my dreams.
5: Now here's Glenn Wiggle and Mike Lomas. Welcome back. Financial Guys radio show. Mike Sparaza and Stefan Mihailu in studio today. Today, excuse me. Folks, if you need us throughout the week and you think like us, give us a call. 833 FinGuys, guys One-stop financial shop. Uh, retirement income plans. Wealth management. Social security planning. Health insurance. Uh, Medicare. Property casualty. Auto home insurance. Estate planning. Uh, if, and if you could, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. And find and listen to our podcast networks. Um... Mike Haifelich and I have TFG Truth this week. We had the opportunity to sit down with Joe Kent, a Washington congressional candidate. Uh, Mike and Glenn did their thing as usual this week. They, they hit a bunch of different topics. And Stefan, you and I are going to be starting a podcast here shortly. Uh, we'll be launching that in April together. So I'm looking real, really looking forward to that.
6: Yeah, I think Mike and Mahailu flows and rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I think that's a, a nice one. I You know, Mike and then the guy with – no vowels and many consonants in the last name. But, you know, John Thur, your uh, financial analyst, was just on, and he was unfortunately giving us the very unvarnished truth of uh, what the country is going to look like financially. I'm ready to start my car in the garage. I don't even want to finish the rest of the show. It, it,
5: it's scary. And, and what you said earlier, right, elections have consequences, and and here we are. And, um, you know. The left is seemingly, of course, blaming everything on Putin, right? Like uh, the gas prices, the first 75 cents, no big deal. It's just this recent 75 cents. That's all Putin's fault, right? But even look at New York State.
6: You know, you talk about elections having consequences, and crime is a huge issue. It's going to be a huge issue in a lot of the elections, not just for the Assembly, but for the State Senate. It's When it comes to no bail, I want to read off some of these statistics in New York State, and this should scare you. Anyone that lives in New York State, when it comes to no bail and a revolving door of criminals. So when it comes to Buffalo, there was one Buffalo man arrested eight times and faced 40 criminal charges over just a 54-day period. Now, you think the Big Apple is a disaster. So just this past weekend, 29 people were shot in New York City. But over 4th of July last year in Buffalo, 21 people were shot. And the number of people shot in Buffalo surged 140% over a two-month period. 140%. And one of the gentlemen who's on uh, the live line right now, and we use that term loosely, Joel Giambra, former Erie County executive and now a candidate, Republican and conservative candidate, running for the New York State Senate 60th District. Joel, welcome to the show. I feel like it's old times again with uh, with the two of us.
10: Hey, it's wonderful to talk to Buffalo's version of M and M. Show. <laughs> uh,
6: I ditched the red coat and went the financial guys. How are
10: you? Good, man. Just, uh, you know, obviously this whole issue of crime is something that's on my mind. It's on a lot of people's mind. Um, And, you know, as we leave this pandemic that we've had to endure for the last couple of years, um, I think it's time now to turn attention to the epidemic that's being uh, perpetrated on the streets of urban America when you talk about gun violence and, you know, the fact that Things are really out of control, and you know the governor and the legislature in 2019 attempted to fix uh, a bail system that, for sure, had inequities. But they went too far, and they really sent a message to the criminal. And I, uh, I believe that you know it's okay to break the law, and there really aren't any real ramifications. So the bail law changes that were made in 2019 have to be addressed and unfortunately it's not being treated um by the democrats really um as as an epidemic and it needs to be because it's at that portion some of these statistics you just mentioned stefan rochester uh had seven or eight uh armed carjacking robberies take place uh i believe it was last week And they arrested four people, uh, three of them teenagers, and two of them were arrested two days before for the same crime, but were out on the street. So it's a crisis. It has to be dealt with. And unfortunately, you know, my opponent in particular, uh, Sean Ryan, uh, is nowhere to be found on this. He's not to be heard from on this issue. So um, I think it's time to call out the Democrats for what they did and to demand that they take immediate action. In dealing with the problem that they helped create
6: but isn't this a crisis that they did create on their own with left-wing policies that just went way too far where you're you're coddling criminals and sean ryan is one of them the the current incumbent state senator where they favor criminals and how they feel over keeping people safe and protecting taxpayers and lo and behold it's a shock when you let criminals Go right back out on the street after they commit crime. I can't believe it. They commit more crime,
5: and, and we're worried about hurting people's feelings again, right? You can't you can't put these people in jail because that's not that's not nice, right? It's it's it, back to the feelings. are always back to feelings,
10: right? And and again, I think we can all say that the bail laws, you know, were somewhat unfair. That if you had money, uh, you walked. If you didn't, you stayed in jail, and that was a tremendous cost to the taxpayers to do that for minor crimes. But when you start changing, you know, felonies to misdemeanors, um, a lot more thought has to go into that. Now, think about how this ill you know, conceived public policy uh, was drafted. It was drafted in the 2019 budget deliberations, right? Where we're supposed to be focusing on uh, the issues of financial matters, and yet, uh, you know, they continue to add policy issues into the budget. Now, by doing that, that generates bad public policy. And that's what happened in two hundred nineteen when they passed this bell reform law. And now they're talking again about doing it the same way. In the dead of night, behind closed doors, where you have the three people in the room who decide public policy. When you make sausage that way, there's a bad outcome, folks. And that's the way they're dealing with public policy. It has to stop. And this issue should be resolved outside of the budget with the brightest light shining on it, full transparency, and let's bring in the law enforcement professionals, the DAs, and uh, the other people who are affected by these laws to sit down at the table and figure out how to fix the problem they created. And by doing it in an open forum and bringing all the professionals in, you'll have much better public policy than the way they do it in Albany.
5: And, Joel, I just want to ask one question on the gun violence issue because Stefan read those stats before. And, you know, uh, uh, am I missing something? This whole gun control argument that the left continues to push that, you know, we we got to ban guns, we got to get rid of guns off the streets. These guns that are committing a lot of these crimes that Stefan had, had showed for us. It's not the, the legal gun owner, the, the legal concealed carry permit uh, people that are that are shooting people on the streets, right? I mean, this gun control argument's more about the crime end of it, not the actual gun. It's not the legal guns that are, are committing these crimes over and over and over again. Is the left ever going to admit that or, or, you know, come to grips with that?
10: It, it seems like they're not. And, you know, gun violence is an issue, and especially when you have... Situations now where you have older criminals in drafting younger teenagers to commit the crimes because the laws are less severe for that age group. So, you know, realize what they did here. And while I'm a firm believer in the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms, I certainly think that we need to do something about the ghost guns, the illegal guns, and the violence associated with that and i'm going to be releasing some thoughts about that very subject next week uh, as it relates to illegal gun possession
6: but joel when it comes to the upcoming election not just in your race for the state senate in the 60th district but across new york state isn't crime and violence and the fact that people like sean ryan are so soft on crime going to be the big difference and what do you say to him what do you say to a guy like Sean Ryan, who coddles criminals and favors those that commit crimes rather than hardworking taxpayers and supporting police and keeping our community safe?
10: Well, I think that that's you know crime is a major concern, not just here in Western New York, but across the state and the nation. And you know, unfortunately, my opponent, who you know voted for the two thousand and nineteen budget that incorporated these offensive policy changes um is nowhere to be found and you know i am going to continue to call him out Uh, i've asked for the other candidate in the race for the 60th district to also speak on this um, because i think it's important for the voters to know where all the candidates stand on this issue and many other issues that we're going to be raising throughout this campaign
6: All right, Joel, we have time for one more quick question. I want to change gears to the economy now. Uh, I know Meta, Facebook, they just had a state of the small business report was released this week. And this one was just an alarming, alarming uh, portion of the study. It said that roughly half of small businesses in New York State do not believe they're going to last and survive 12 more months in New York State. What does that say about the climate in Albany and the fact that it's got to change and we have to be a more pro-business friendly state
10: well the first thing we need to do i think Steph, is uh start thinking about reducing the size and the cost of government right i mean when i was county executive back in 2000 mid 2005 ish i believe the state budget was maybe around 65 billion dollars um and today it's like 213 proposed by uh the incumbent governor and the legislature now wants to add $8 billion on top of that. Now, remember, the spending spree that the Democrats are on is using one-time, as you know, non-recurring revenues, which is going to cause a major problem for state government in two years from now and every local government. So we have to bring the cost of doing business down. And, you know, it's still unfortunate that when we talked about this back in 2000, 2007 about you know New York state being the highest tax state in the nation when you add state tax obligations and local property taxes. Back then in 2000, we were number one. Guess what? Here we are 2022. We're still number one in what we charge people to live and do business here. So let's get serious about government's intrusion in our lives and especially their intrusion into our pocketbooks. Um, We need to stop that.
5: Folks, Joel Giambra, Republican State Senate candidate. Joel, thanks for spending your Saturday with us. A lot of great stuff there, and uh, good luck in your race.
10: Hey, Eminem,
5: I wish you the best. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Talk soon. All right. All right, we're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back with Jerry in Getzville, and then we have a couple other callers lined up. Uh, We have... Ben Carlisle coming up here in the uh, 2.30 hour as well. And Stefan and I still have to talk about polling data that we have here, and I, I keep skipping it on accident, so we'll get to polling data as well. If you want to jump online, 844-434-4834. We'll be right back.
6: The Financial Guys Radio Show. To join Mike and Glenn, call 844-434-4TFG. That's 844-434-4834.
5: All righty, welcome back. Mike Sparaza, Stefan Mihailu. I do have to pitch an event real quick here. Our health insurance department is having a no-copay happy hour for small business owners. Uh, it is this Thursday, March 31st, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. here at our office. Registration can be done on our website. Again, no copay happy hour here at our office. Thursday, March 31st, 5 to 8 p.m. Did you say buy
6: none, get one free discount?
5: That, that's what it seems like. Let me see if. Uh, yep, there it is. I might be there.
6: <laughs> I'm not even interested in the topic, but you said free. I can't turn anything like that down. I'm there. <laughs>
5: Again, folks, if you need us throughout the week, 833-FIN-GUYS to call in today, 844-434-4TFG. Don't forget about our podcast, TFG Truth, with Mike Sparaza, Mike Hayflick, and the TFG podcast with Mike and Glenn themselves. And Stefan and I, as I said, will be coming out with a podcast here in April. Really looking forward to that. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Stefan, you know the social media better than I do. Hit the bell on YouTube. I think that's all I got. Um, all right, so we're going to clean up the phone lines first. We're going to go to Jerry in Gatsville. Jerry, I'm sorry we had you on hold for so long there.
1: Oh, yeah, please don't be, uh, Mike high. Uh, Hi. You know, I called about the Supreme Court nominee, but a quick remark. You know, you say <clears throat> I was on hold. I have one remedy for this uh Leah Thomas and <clears throat> trans, excuse me, transgenders in women's sports. Uh, you know, speaking of being, being on hold, take a break, girls and moms tell, you know, just boycott the competition for a little while, put it on hold and get some, get something very important done. That's all I got to say about that. You know, it's, 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 easy, it's harder than, you know, just to say that, sure. And it's tough because you girls, you know, are have worked hard, and I respect that so much. But the Supreme Court uh, justice, oh, I, it is so important to me. To me, I, I, it's as bad as Joe Schmo as being the president, and the Cakler as the vice president, and Pelosi. And a lot of talking heads are saying she's going to be nominated. Why is that, Mike Stephen? Is This is. Don't we have uh, votes in the Senate or uh, of Republicans that could quash this? Who tell me who to email? Uh, I already did to Mansion. Uh, that's not going to go anywhere. But uh, what can we? Who can I email or do with? I don't want her to be nominated.
6: Well, it's, I think unfortunately awful. you have to it's, email and contact the eighty-two million dead and alive people who voted for Joe Biden. Because elections have consequences. Democrats have control of the Senate. Democrats have the White House. In America, you better wake up, not just across our country, but even here in New York State, where the power of the vote in 2022 is going to change things like this. But unfortunately, the horse is out of the barn, and she's going to be nominated to the Supreme Court. Oh, I, I, it, 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 it's, I, I
1: can't. I can't process that. And it's not just for four years with these bums in the, in the White House and all. This is like decades with this woman. Uh, can, can, can I call her a woman? I mean, uh,
6: she I'm, doesn't well, know, thanks, so it wouldn't uh, offend her anyway. Don't hurt her
5: feelings, Jerry.
6: Well, Jerry, unfortunately, there's a support group for people who are uh, disappointed with Joe Biden. It's called Everybody. <laughs> just, <laughs> just go to your line.
5: local coffee shop. You'll find somebody. <laughs> there. Or <a>
6: gas station. <laughs>
1: Thank you, guys. I listen to you every week. Thanks a lot. Thanks, right. Jerry. I appreciate it.
5: And I think you know, uh, not that I'm saying this is a good thing. What's going on in our country right now? But I, I think I think we are getting to the point where people are waking up. I think more people are speaking out. But Stefan, I think you'd agree, more people need to step uh, step step up and speak out because. It's just—it's uh, these, these problems are not going to go away if we just, you know, sit on our hands and don't don't go out and fight for it, don't go out and attend rallies, don't go out
6: and join school boards, whatever it may be. We have to get out there and do it. Vote and run for office. Yep. Vote and run for yep. office. I mean, it's the year of the woman. I mean, look at all the soccer moms that basically voted in Yunkin in Virginia, yep. Yep. and those are the people who are going to turn our elections this year. All right, we're
5: going to join. Uh, we're going to have Anthony Zeffler from our office join us right now. Anthony, how are
6: you? You got any good news for us, Anthony? Anthony, you with us?
11: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Mike Isefon. Um Yeah, so uh, I really just want to talk about some some popular questions I'm getting uh, in my office uh, when it comes to estate planning.
5: Yeah, so what? how are you helping? I know you're a certified estate planner. How are you helping people out each week?
11: Well, uh, when it comes to estate planning, we really have three main goals. It's Going to be to maximize, protect, and what I think most importantly is retain uh, as much control of your estate as possible. Um, so the first question that, that really comes up uh, pretty often is how often should, should I update my will? Um, you'd be surprised at how many people uh, see a will as a set it and forget it document. I, I think a will should be updated. Um, and changed as frequently as your life changes and updates. For example, anytime you, you acquire new property, maybe receiving an inheritance, marriage, divorce, children, grandchildren, the list, the list really goes on.
5: And Anthony, if I could jump in there, I think that's a huge, you know, part of our office, right? It's always updating and looking at things. Even if you don't make changes, at least address it, review it, and confirm that all the information or the beneficiaries or or the the wills or estate documents are up to date. I think that's huge, and we we talk about that in every department in our office every week.
11: Yep, absolutely. That's one of the the biggest things uh, why we meet with our clients every six months, um, just to, just to see what's going on. Maybe maybe if there's any changes. That can be made um because the worst thing that could happen is is not having a proper plan in place
6: yeah anthony it's stefan that's i was going to ask you that next question because what are the consequences for families if they don't plan ahead and god forbid the inevitable is going to happen we all pay our taxes we're all going to die so god forbid what are the really rough consequences for families that don't do this type of planning and don't have something set in stone because basically you're at the will of the courts and other people, are you not?
11: Exactly. Um, so, so we really have seen it all. Um, and, and that can be unfortunate, but if you die without a will, that's known as dying intestate. So simply put all of your, property is through the probate court and that's administered by the state. So once they're de- done spending down your assets, they're going to get to decide who gets what of your own, of your own property. So you want to retain as much control as possible. Put a plan in place. Don't give that control
4: to the state.
6: Hey Anthony, I I don't have a will, and my wife Ashley just took out a fifty million dollar insurance policy, <laughs> and then asked me to go to the top of the stairs and close my eyes. Should I be concerned?
11: Um, actually, that that's something else I, I'd love to touch on. Um,
6: <laughs> my wife's trying to kill me for insurance money. What are you talking about? <laughs>
11: So life insurance policies, um, a lot of there's a lot of tools that actually um, can act as a great starting point. So, what what I mean is updating beneficiaries on all of accounts like like life insurance policies, savings accounts, checking accounts, retirement accounts like your four hundred one k IRA. Um, there, that's what I really call free estate planning. Uh,
5: you can you can
11: set beneficiaries and avoid the probate court. It's very effective and costs nothing to do so.
5: Anthony, we're coming up on a hard break. Thanks so much for joining us. Great information, as always.
11: Nice talking to you. Thanks.
5: You got it. All right, we will be right back. We're going to clean up some phone lines, and we have one guest left in the show, Stefan. This hour and a half went by very fast, so we only have 30 minutes left in the show uh hop on 844-434-4TFG Stefan Mihailu Mike Sparaza. we will be right back
6: that's 844-434-4834
5: welcome back financial guys radio show Mike Sparaza, Stefan Mihailu in for Mike and Glenn today um We are just rolling through two segments to go here. We have another special guest coming up shortly here. And then, Stefan, we have to get to the polling because we have to talk about that before the end of the show.
6: Absolutely. But I think crime in New York State is another big, big topic. And uh, Joel Giamba, Republican conservative, running for the state Senate in the 60th district, he just laid down the gauntlet uh, for Democrats who are running for that seat about what is your position on bail reform? And he mentioned uh, the fact that Sean Ryan is running, but so is Ben Carlisle. Ben Carlisle is on the live line now. He is a Democrat running in a primary against Sean Ryan. Ben, how are you? And thank you for joining us.
0: Uh, Out petitioning all morning, so I'm happy to uh, take a break from the cold rain and uh, chat with you guys today.
6: Now, I know a lot of people are familiar with you and your run uh, for Buffalo mayor, and you were the voice of reason when it comes to India Walton and basically being what a lot of folks would call a common sense Democrat. And yes, they exist. Uh, you know, my mom was a Kennedy Democrat pro-life pro union, the whole nine yards. So when it comes to your run in the democratic primary against Sean Ryan, the question of bail reform, the one that Joel Giammer just came up with and said, look, I want to hear what my opponents have to say about what their position is. So, uh, Ben Carlisle, what is your position when it comes to bail reform in New York state?
0: Well, Stefan, people don't have to guess about my position because I've been rather vocal for the last two years. I've spoken spoken out about it in debates. I put out one of my campaign videos when I ran for mayor last year. Touched on that uh, issue specifically. That my first campaign ad that I put out for this race touches on that issue specifically. And I got to tell you, going door to door, there's a lot of common sense Democrats. It's not just me. There's a lot in Western New York, and my position is pretty simple. Um, if you tell people that there's certain crimes we're not going to prosecute and that whether you commit the crime or not, we're not going to hold you on bail. It's a recipe for disaster. Um, And so, you know, I'm going door to door, and I'm talking only to Democrats because only Democrats can sign my petition. And I got to tell you, it's not just a position that Republicans are hot on. It's not just a position that conservatives are hot on. There's a lot of Democrats out there that are really, really upset with the fact that this happened to begin with and the fact that no politician has stood up on the... Democratic side thus far in New York State and said we need to change this so um, a lot of people are really hesitant this year to sign the Democrats petition because of this one issue and a few others but this one in particular because safety uh, is a paramount issue and uh, when they say oh no I'm not not signing a Democrats petition this year I'm too mad at what they've done and then I explain to them look I've been speaking out against what Democrats have been doing for the last two years I've been very very vocal I promise you i'm a common sense democrat and when i explain that to people uh they go ahead and sign my petition frankly i think i have probably secured a vote for uh the june 28th primary as well
5: and ben this is mike sparrazi here why do you think we all only hear a lot about the democrats though that that are okay with this stuff right The, the loudest people in the room are the ones that are you know all for this bail reform stuff, right? Why is it that people like you and common sense individuals like you are not heard, but the Kathy Hochul's or the AOC's of the world are, are the ones that are, are heard the most? Well, like, I think on both sides the part of the, the, the loud
0: elements on both sides of the party, are the ones that I get to get to chin, and on the different circles, fundraising circles, um, you know, whoever can be the most believing our liberal is going to get the most fundraising. They're going to get the people in the back room who are going to nominate them for these positions. So that's where the energy is on the left as far as the political organization is concerned. But they forget about the people. It's not where the people are at. It's where the, you know, like I said, the very, very, you know, vocal fringes on the right and the left are the ones that get all the attention from the party. But. Um, I'm going to make up a statistic, but I think it's probably true. Something like, you know, 80 percent of us are right in the middle, you know, either slightly left of center, or slightly right of center. But the people who get the attention are the far, far right and the far, far left. Um, and I think it's high time for a politician that that's willing to, um, you know, reach out to people who are in the middle on both sides of the aisle and try to get something done.
6: I think Lomas and Wiggle are going to have me guest host more often because we actually had, for the first time in Financial Guys history, a Democrat makes sense on the radio. <laughs> this is amazing. Just um, take over the show. <laughs> so, so, But, Ben, can we talk about that more, about just the extreme, extremism uh, on the left especially? Because, again, I, you know, I, I did mention my mom, and I half-jokingly say she died nine years ago. She votes Democrat every single year since. But she was a common-sense Democrat where – she had the values of being, again, pro-life, but supported labor. And just like I did in some of my races for Erie County Comptroller, what happened to the Democratic Party? What happened where the AOCs and the squad have basically hijacked the party? And, and quite frankly, folks like you, middle-of-the-road centrist Democrats, are shunned uh, and they basically abandon you and claim you're not even a Democrat.
0: Uh, I don't know exactly when it happened, but I know it's it's uh, if they don't reverse it soon, the Democratic Party is not going to exist anymore. It's going to be this tiny little regional party in the Northeast, and they're going to only cater to you know college-educated, you know, bleeding hard people, and they're they're going to lose touch with, you know, the Democrats used to be so powerful because they represented the middle class, the unions. They you know that's one of their big things. They you know help build the middle class unions and with Democrat support, um, but they've drifted away from those. You know kitchen table issues to these social issues where they're just constantly trying to divide us over race over gender any wedge issue they can find to turn americans against each other and it's it's just really really frustrating um you know and i tell people it's such a cliche but you know i you know the democrat you know i didn't leave the democratic party they left me I, i'm still a democrat i'm not going anywhere i'm going to fight to make sure that sensible democrats have a seat at the table Um, But they are trying their best to to squeeze every single sensible Democrat out of the party. And if they do it, it's at their peril because the party will cease to exist if you only cater to about 9% of Americans.
5: And Ben, I just wanted to pop in because I asked the same question before to Joel, and I'm going to ask you the the exact same question right now. And it starts with, you know, I think there truly is a difference between leftists and liberals, right? I, I had a guest on our show a few, uh, probably six months ago now already, uh, you know, and she explained that to us. The leftist is the far left individual, the, the radical individual, and then the liberal-minded individual like you is, is more in the middle, like you said. Why is it that the leftists are so fixated on, on this gun control issue and, and they're so worried about, you know, taking people's guns away or, or limiting guns when the majority of these, like Stefan read stats earlier in the, in the second hour, a lot of these crimes committed with guns are all illegal firearms. They're not the legal gun owner that has this concealed carry pyramid. Why, why are they fixated on the gun control issue? I understand gun violence is a thing, but it's more the illegal guns and the crime that comes from the illegal firearms.
0: I think, honestly, I think they're immune to facts. It doesn't bother them. I mean, you look at the pandemic, so many things that they did, you know, for two years straight that the science just said, this is not working. But they just clutched to it. And the same with gun control. They just can't wrap their brains around Well, if you make them all illegal, gun violence will go away, and it just doesn't happen. If you look at the cities and the states with the strictest gun control, you don't see a corresponding reduction in crime. Instead, you see an escalation of crime. And then you take people and you just create criminals out of people who are only exercising their Second Amendment right, and then we're putting them in jail, and then we're housing them. And, you know, it just keeps going. So I I understand I think, honestly, it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a place where we all agree gun gun violence is out of control. Um, Everyone wants to do something to stop it. And unfortunately, the liberal solution is, well, let's just make it illegal for people to own guns. And they don't realize there's already something like, I mean, you guys would know better than me, but, uh, you know, well over 300 million guns in America. We're not, you're not going to round them all up. We're not getting rid of them. Uh, It's generally not the legal gun owners who are committing these crimes. So, You can pass every single law you want. You can make it as hard to get a gun as you want. People are still going to commit gun violence. You have to address the root problem. But this whole, like, well, let's just make another law and it'll go away is not working.
5: And, Ben, you know, not for nothing, you look at them taking away your guns, right, and then you look at what just happened to Canada when the government just tells you you can do what they say you can do and nothing else. If you don't have a way to protect yourself as a citizen – you know, protect your family first off and then protect yourself from the government. That's where I think it's a big deal when they start talking about taking people's guns because you lose all your protection potentially.
0: It's 100% true. You look at every single country around the world in these last two years that have had the most draconian lockdown measures where the government are just oppressing their people. It's all uh, countries that took their citizens' guns away. Um, and we don't even need to go out and shoot people in this country. They, You know, Americans... Uh, just that knowing that there's that option out there, I think gives some people pause. Like, all right, well, we can't take away all their rights. You know, they tried really, really hard in this country, but they didn't go anywhere near as far as they went in places like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, France, Italy. Those countries, they they went, you know, crazy, crazy on the COVID restrictions. And in this country, we went, you know, I'd say on a scale of one to ten, crazy. You know, we went to a three, where in those other countries, they were at a ten.
6: Amen to that. Well, that's Ben Carlisle, ladies and gentlemen, Democratic candidate for the New York State Senate in the 60th District, uh, running in a primary. Uh, And Ben, when's that primary date?
0: Uh, June 28th. So any Democrat out there who's frustrated with the uh, direction that the party's going in, I'm asking you, please don't leave the party. Stay in the party and fight to uh, bring the party back to a centrist, more sane middle ground and come out and vote on June 28th.
5: Good luck to you, Ben. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks,
0: Stefan and Mike. I appreciate
5: it. You got it. All right, so you want to try and get him one caller before we go to break? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. What do we have, Pam? I don't even know who's on the line anymore. All right, let's go to John in Rochester. John, how are you?
2: Hey, Mike and Stefan. and I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Listen, you know, Joe Giambro, I don't know if you guys remember this, when he was county executive, was resp- one of those first things he did as county executive He fulfilled the promise in reducing the tax rate dramatically, which I think the guy was a hero when he did it. He got a little bit in trouble because uh, they ended up having to go to a financial control board a few years later. But I'll tell you, that's the best thing that happened to Erie County. So Joe Giambra, elect him for state senate.
8: Well, I can
6: tell you exactly what happened. I was there. I was a journalist. He cut taxes 30 percent. He made a promise. But the Democrats controlled the legislature and the Democrats did not reduce spending at the same time, which which they should have done. Uh, And Joel Giambor was talking about Medicaid reform literally decades ago before anybody talked about it. Now it's a it's a ticking time bomb. So you're right. You're 100 percent right on that one.
2: Well, listen. Uh, you know, you were talking about Jen saki earlier today, and I, there's a there's a uh, conservative uh, talk show host that I heard that labeled her perfectly. Her name is Ginger Goebbels. and I think that's the perfect name for her as a propagandist for this uh, administration. It's unbelievable, and I'll tell you guys, uh, the the media, as you know, is perpetrating this fraud on the American public in many ways. Whether it's the this uh chinese virus, uh bolt uh stuff uh, uh whether it's uh the the, uh, the they call the voter fraud uh to 2020 election of fraud uh it's a it's one of the biggest scandals in american history not only when they uh persecuted donald trump while he's a candidate but after he took office they tried to impeach him twice on false pretenses and they get a, uh, the, the Biden crime family gets it passed. It's un- it's unbelievable to me that uh, these, like, we, and not only ABC, NBC, the New York Times, etc., but but we're paying for national public radio. They're, they're one of the worst offenders of all of them. It's unbelievable. And I'll tell you one thing, this fraud thing, I think it's going to come to a head. There's a lot of evidence right now in Georgia that, uh, 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 the financing by Zuckerberg uh, perpetrated these drop boxes in Georgia. They've got video now of uh, some of these agents working in the Zuckerberg, uh, uh, well, I won't call them a crime family, but the Zuckerberg uh, uh, drop boxes. Uh, they've got them on video coming back and back and back and putting these uh, dropping ballots time after time after time, and they have a, a witness. A participant in this who claims they get paid they got paid ten cents ten dollars per vote, and one guy supposedly made forty thousand dollars that night, so this is all coming to a head, and also in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, Zuckerberg paid about three hundred or four hundred million dollars to this campaign to defeat Trump in Green Bay, Wisconsin alone, they got about nine or ten million dollars out of this. Uh, zuckerberg uh, program and they actually the guy that ended up controlling the green bay wisconsin election results that night was a new york city attorney who controlled the actions of the election that night in green bay wisconsin now this they've done this throughout uh, the united states in the battleground states and this green bay incident will come to a head uh... there's uh... one of the
8: uh...
5: hey, uh, hey john I think
2: the commissioner of election
5: John, I'm, yeah. we we gotta hit a break really quick because we got one more break left for the show. Um, I I appreciate you calling, and, and and we we definitely agree 100 percent with what you're saying. There there was some funky business out there, and it's still coming to a head today. And you know that that's one of the things, Stefan. Before we hit the break really quickly, that it needs to be talked about more it, is the is the you know the voter fraud, the voter integrity, all that needs to be addressed. And that seems we'll talk about the polling data, but that was like fourth or fifth on the list. I think that's really important.
6: Well, talk about illegals coming here to new york state right can basically sign up register to vote no questions asked and that's another problem about having an open southern border
5: john thanks for calling we appreciate it keep keep
6: thanks, up thanks john play, guys. all
5: right we'll be right back we're going to clean up the phone lines and we're going to talk about polling finally uh we're finally going to get there so as soon as we get back 10 minutes left folks call to call now 844 oh gosh i'm screwing up the number these days Eight four 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 three four four tfg there we go we'll be right back Of the show today, Mike Sparaza, Stefan Mihailu in studio. Stefan, I'm going to turn this over to you because you are our polling data experts. I'm going to
6: let you uh, have at it here. Yeah, I'm with Big Dog Strategies, but we're not the ones that did this poll when it comes to the governor's race. And look, I am a huge Lee Zeldin fan. I think he's going to be the next governor. I think Kathy Hochul is the biggest fraud in or out of politics. To even take (laughs) politics out of the equation, think about it, Mike. When she ran... uh, for congress she was an a rating from the nra pro-life but yet and when she was erie county clerk she banned licenses for illegals and then she hitches her wagon to andrew cuomo and then all of a sudden lo and behold we support illegal immigrants we've got to get them licenses you know she's pro-choice and supports partial birth abortion so she's a complete fraud
5: and those three issues you just said are not middle of the road. Eh, Well, I could go either way on those. Those three issues are you're either with it
6: or you're without it. Exactly. And and, and she is flopped on not just one, three of three. So that's why I want to talk about some really hopeful data when it comes to the governor's race because there's a new poll that came out uh, McLaughlin and Associates. Shockingly, Lee Zeldin, 46%, Kathy Hochul, 44%. That's not only within the margin of error, but Lee Zeldin is up. But here's what's interesting, Mike, is the is the issues that are important new yorkers crime taxes and inflation those are the biggest issues and that's why i really think there's an actual chance when it comes to the leadership of, of rob ort who's our minority leader uh, i think there's a very solid chance at least zeldon's going to become governor and the fact that the new york state senate could if we win some uh, seats downstate uh, could actually flip the state senate to Republican. But it's not just that. Even Republicans, the the job approval of Kathy Hochul as governor, 85% disapprove, 85%. And even Joe Biden is underwater overall in New York State, 55% disapprove.
5: Where does our, uh, our old pal Cuomo fit into all this?
6: Well, can you imagine if he runs? <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about the boatload of money he's sitting on. Yep. Um, he's sitting on, I believe it's close to 16 million bucks in campaign cash, and he's got an axe to grind. And, and what's the, the, the rule in politics? If you're going to take a shot at the king, you better kill him.
5: And they didn't. They didn't. They they didn't even come close. And he's and he's back. And like you said, that is that is scary for the left and, and Hokel more than anybody that, you know, you got a guy like Andrew Cuomo sitting on millions of dollars to, to run a campaign and you know he is—he's a grudge holder. He's going to be going after it full force, and uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting.
6: But even Kathy Hochul's job approval overall—forty-nine percent disapprove, forty-four percent approve. She's underwater, and that is just not good news. Even take Andrew Cuomo out of the equation. Yep. If he does not run in a primary, even if it's heads-up Lee Zeldin against Kathy Hochul, I think Lee Zeldin actually has a chance, in the same way that George Pataki did back in '93 with a huge upset over then-Governor Mario Cuomo. Yep. But can you can you imagine Republicans actually cheering on Andrew Cuomo in the Democratic primary just to say, oh, I please hope and pray this guy wins?
5: What's the over-under on how many issues uh, Hoka will will flop in the next couple months?
6: But what is she going to do? <laughs> I know. She hitched her wagon to Andrew Cuomo. She can't hide from him. Mm-hmm. She was his lieutenant governor for yep. years and was yep. his biggest champion for years. Yep. And that's why I say, folks, she is the biggest fraud in or out of politics so vote wisely this november
5: let's try and clean up a couple calls each one we got three left they're going to have to be quick because we're running out of time here let's pull up dan first dan how are you
2: excellent how are you doing good well, one, i want to talk about hunter biden's laptop it shows uh there's an article in the new york post today's the headline is hunter biden helped secure funds for biolab contractor in ukraine now these bio labs are the reason that that Putin went into Ukraine, not to mention that we installed the president of Ukraine. Uh, there's there's
10: audio, if you look it up, of uh, of. Um, oh, God, I can't think of her name now. Uh
6: We've got our, to hop to other callers. We, we, we got to hop to other callers. Re, really yeah, quickly right. We do. We do appreciate your your, your sentiments on that one. And look, as a Ukrainian American, I do firmly believe that the only reason why Putin invaded is because Joe Biden uh, is president. But look, look at the way the media treated President Trump's children compared to the way they're treating Hunter, Hunter Biden. Biden. And there's a lot more
5: going on, by the way, for Hunter Biden. And to the caller's point, where are we on this stuff? Why are we not paying attention to that laptop? And why is that not all over the media? We know why, but it should be. Um, all right, we're going to go to Peter real quick. Peter, how are you?
9: Yeah, can you hear me, guys? I can hear you. Yeah, okay. Hey, listen, I just wanted to touch on the uh, transgender thing. I believe uh, a little while ago in your program, you uh, Sorry about the seatbelt thing there. I really am wearing it.
6: Yeah, wear it. Um, <laughs> Death is not about, a good thing on your list of things to do I today. Think, uh, <laughs> yeah, no,
9: honest, honest. Um, you were talking about Leah Thomas, and uh, I believe I heard somebody say, you know, now that he's a woman. And uh, my take on that is if you're a man, you're a man, you're a man. You cannot change genders. And uh, I believe a lot of people are saying now that people have changed and he's a woman, and that's just patently not true. Uh, I think people, you know, think, well, if you transition, now a man becomes a woman. And it's, uh, it's very easy to get into that routine of thinking that, but it's just not true. And, uh, I guess I would, uh, not accuse any one of you guys, and maybe it was a slip of the tongue, but, uh, you know, Leah is not Leah. He he may have changed his name, but he is a guy. And, uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner may have changed his name, but he's still a guy. And, it's nuts for uh,
6: even having you know, this conversation starts, uh, in the year 2020. Yeah, I, I think I think
5: that's 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 the thing. Uh, to be honest with you, Peter, I, I don't know that it's. Uh, and thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I don't think it's it's something that we're necessarily saying. Oh yeah, we agree with it. We're just saying it is what it is right now, and and that's the world we're living in. That Caitlyn Jenner is now a female, right? I mean, that's that's the gender change that happened, and and that's how we got to address it. And to Stefan's point, it's 2022, and here we are having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um we got to wrap, though, folks. We're coming up against 3 o'clock. We always do this. Uh, If you need us throughout the week, 833-FIN-GUYS. Thank you to our callers, Eli Bremer, Joel Giambra, Ben Carlisle. Stefan, glad you came on today. I hope to do this again very soon. This was a lot of fun.
6: Talking to an adult is like a four-month vacation. (laughs) All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.